What is crackalackin' Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Damp Valley, and I hope that you enjoy that fancy schmancy new intro music that is perhaps still playing at this point or just played. Shout out to Blue Wires Ty Windish for hooking up Hardwood Knox with that. It'll be in the outro too. You did not hit the wrong podcast. Um, and if you did, we're happy that you're here. Anyway, that was just some new intro music. I am not with my fantabulous Times Infinity co-host Adam Frommel this time. We're continuing with our individual team look-aheads. We are up to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am joined in this episode by Olivia Punchall from Daily Thunder. She's the co-host of the Crossbolt podcast over there. Does a fantastic job covering this team. Her second ever appearance on Hardwood Knox. So she was nice enough to come back, or maybe we accidentally tricked her somehow. She's a medical student, so she's smarter than that, which means that's an endorsement of this podcast. It's only it's sub mediocre. That's what I keep saying. That is a, that is incredible. It's amazing. The conversation was great. Definitely encourage you to listen to the entire thing. Although there will be timestamps in it, as per usual. Before we get started, the usual housekeeping notes. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcast. Whether you use iTunes or not, we do still ask if you have access to it. Head over there, search Hardwood Knox on iTunes. Just throw us that five star rating and write a quick review. Both of those help us out a ton. If you have criticism. Throw it in that review. If you have suggestions, takes, we read them. We'll respond to them. Two people did it this past week. Shout out to them. We really appreciate it. Again, it helps us out a ton. If this is your first time stumbling into these parts, consider throwing us that permanent subscription. Maybe you're only here for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We cover the league at large. And like I said, we do a pleasantly sub-mediocre job of, of doing it. Follow us on Twitter in addition to subscribing and downloading all of our episodes. We are at Hardwood Knox. We are also on YouTube. Search Hardwood Knox. Just subscribe to us. Helps us out there. You can follow us on Instagram at Hardwood Knox and also TikTok. We have not really brought that up and running yet. I'll figure out a content plan for that, but that is the wild, wild west for me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I feel washed whenever I'm on TikTok, but we're at Hardwood Knox on TikTok. That's enough of me yammering on about self-promotion for this podcast. Let's get to talking some Oklahoma City Thunder with Daily Thunder's Olivia Punchall. Olivia, thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast to talk with me about the Oklahoma City Thunder. First and foremost, though, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm ready for basketball to start again. I've missed it. Um, it's always a fun time to getting started with the season with media day and meeting all the new players. So I'm looking forward to it. And covering the Thunder is probably a little bit different too, because the last time you, yeah, it's been the off season, but the last mm-hmm. time Shea Gilgis Alexander has played basketball, like it's been, yeah. it's been a minute. Um, I don't even know, remember when his last game was, it was in, wow, it was in March before the yeah. fascia stuff started cropping up. So that's a long ass time. Mm-hmm. It sure, it sure is. Yeah. I'm excited to, to see him, to talk to him about how his off season's been and, you know, what he's been working on during the off season. Cause even before um, his injury. He was having such a phenomenal season. Um, I'm just like, hopefully he can pick up right where he left off. That's the hope and and the plan. Let's actually start with him. Uh, okay. He so his injury. Is there uh, any word like is he expected to be ready for the season at this point, or have any limitations or anything like that going into training camp? Yeah, as far as we know right now, um, he should be good to go for game one. Um, we have our media day and our meeting with Sam Presti tomorrow. So maybe he'll mention it. Um, but as far as we know, he is ready to go. The, the discourse for Shea Gilders Alexander went off the rails leading up to the mm-hmm. draft. Um, mostly, I don't think it really had anything to do with the Thunder themselves, but there was just this idea with his extension coming up that maybe they would consider moving him. And if he was Bradley Beal and like his 30th birthday was on the horizon, you get it. <laughs> But he's 23 yeah. years old. He is your uh-huh. timeline. Um, yeah. Do you think the extension that just reflects like that's how the Thunder? He was a no-brainer, Max. But do you think the extension kind of ensures that hey, SGA is our timeline? That's who we are building around moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think for other people, maybe outside of the organization, it signaled that. But I kind of think that's always been true ever since the Thunder acquired SGA from the Clippers. I feel like he's always been the timeline, the future uh, for OKC. So that really wasn't a question in in my mind. You know, I don't, I don't know for positive whether or not he was actually mentioned in in trades for the number one pick. I don't think that he was, but I supposedly that is what happened. But I I've always thought and continue to think that SGA is the the timeline for the Thunder going forward. Is there anything that you look for him to? 
do that he didn't do this past season or was just the way that he sort of, I don't even want to say reworked, but he was just responsible for so much of the offensive load, generating his own looks and was so efficient that if he's just going to be that player moving forward, the Thunder are essentially absolutely set. Yeah, after after last season, I was kind of worried if he could, you know, take on that leadership role and be like the primary person. Just after playing a whole season with Chris Paul, who is clearly, you know, the leader of that team, I was interested to see how he would handle that new responsibility. And I thought he did an excellent job in that capacity. And you could see his confidence growing with every game. So just like off the court and as a leader, I think he was phenomenal. And then he had just an exceptional season before he left with the plantar fasciitis. He, you know, looked really comfortable with who he was. And, you know, he's a really great defender at his position already. Um, When he starts to like get in his bag and gets going, it's like literally like art in motion watching him play basketball, like really reminds me a lot of, of Paul George, but I think he was still kind of figuring out how to be a superstar and like what his superstar identity is. I don't think he's quite there yet, but he's so close. And like this off season, I just read this interview um, that he had and he called himself the black Steve Nash, (laughs) which is just like the dopest nickname ever. And I'm so excited to see whatever the heck that means. I'm, I'm all on board for that. So if that's the type of season that we're having this year with SGA, sign me up. I'm ready. I am sure to see how he balances the uh, look. Yes. And black Steve Nash is objectively just instantly one of the NBA's best <laughs> names, maybe the best self-assigned nickname ever too. We tend to yeah. not want players to assign themselves nicknames, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm with it. I'm curious to see how he sort of handles himself defensively moving forward while sort of mm-hmm. shouldering the, the superstar volume, because right. after we're three years into his career and I, I just, I don't know that I figured out what he is on defense yet. That's fair. Yeah. I think he, like I said, I think he's still trying to figure out, you know, exactly what his identity is. I think he came into this league being pretty good at a lot of things, but not necessarily like exceptional at one thing. And that's kind of how it is with, with the defense too. Like he's, he's pretty good for his position, but you know, I think there's still room for improvement on that end. Um, But also just, you know, being a facilitator for other players on the team. I think that's a big thing as well. I think two of the off-season transactions that left a lot from the outside scratching their heads were the trading number 16 for two uh, future firsts, which the protections on those things are just, it has nothing to do with the, just, they're so funny. They go out so far. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then buying out Kemba, which is runs counter to just what they've done with veteran contracts in the past, which is reboot the veterans value and then find a way to flip them later. Some mm-hmm. criticize them for leaning too hard into the not chasing wins model. Um, where do you sort of land on just, you know, that criticism, just those moves that the Sun- Thunder made their mindset, which was, you know, kind of set the tone for their offseason and how they're going to carry themselves during the regular season? Yeah, initially, I was also surprised by the Kemba buyout. Um, after that trade happened, um, Sam Presti in his like presser seemed like very much like at the end of the season that the Thunder were planning to keep Kemba Walker, that they were going to, you know, build him into the team and they were going to figure out how to play SGA and Kemba together. And so the fact that they bought him out before the season even started was pretty surprising to me. But in hindsight, looking back at it, I kind of I kind of see where their head's at. So I don't think that Kemba was ever going to be a part of the long-term, long-term part of the Thunder. I think exactly like you said, we all expected them to keep him for a while, maybe trade him before the deadline for more picks to contender or something like that. Um, so the time in which they traded him was a little bit weird. But I wonder now, looking back, if that had anything to do with SGA's extension, not necessarily that he wouldn't have signed the extension if Kemba was on the team, but with both of them being star point guards, being ball handlers, something's got to give for one of them. Someone's going to be unhappy in that situation. And if the Thunder really are committed to Shea Gilles-Alexander being the franchise player and building around SGA, having Kemba Walker this season, I feel like would have hindered SGA from being able to, to reach the ceilings that we want him to reach this season. And so in that sense, I, it kind of makes sense if you're thinking about long-term for the Thunder, but yeah, the timing was a little bit weird. And the number 16 trade with the two future first like you said I don't really know if this picks are going to turn into anything we already have uh Houston's 2024 their 2026 first round selections which are top four protected 
and a pick swap in 2025. So maybe Sam Presti is just playing the probability game here. One of those has to turn into something. I don't really know. Um, But I guess you can't really turn down two first rounders for a number 16 pick, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they're, I think they're from Detroit and Washington and they're just, they're protected forever. And I just, I think that singular transaction is there, there's no issue there. And they had another first round pick beyond 16. It's just when you look at their pick collection in some, and this sort of leads me into my next question Mm -hmm. is they have all of the picks. They just have all of the picks at this point. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think the ultimate end game is for them with those picks? Is it, they want to take as many bites at the apple themselves as possible do they envision wanting to have extra assets to move up in a future draft or are they like a sneaky team it definitely would not happen this season but in a season down the line they want to be the team that is going all in on a a disgruntled star especially if the trend is going to become that these guys are agitating to get out of their situations earlier than we ever thought right yeah i think that they're consolidating picks to either you know move up the draft board to have the assets to move up or to you know get multiple bites at the apple. I I think what they're waiting for is for a draft class that has one of those truly transcendent players that can immediately come and change a franchise, mm-hmm. which honestly we haven't seen, I don't think, since Luca's draft class. And so I think they're just waiting for that type of player. I feel like they feel like they have their superstar in SGA and the ultimate goal is to build around him. It seems unlikely that even the best trade package that they could that they their their best combination of picks if they could receive and then retain a top five NBA player that's the biggest thing is retaining the players so even if they're able to get them like how they were able to get you know Paul George will you be able to keep them for the long term and I think that's kind of where the issue is and that's just a factor of you know being Oklahoma City that's something we'll always have to deal with but I feel like they're trying to pick the right player in the draft like they did with KD and Russ and Ibaka and Harden and all those players in the past. How did you feel about the Josh Giddy selection at number six now that you've had some time to ruminate on it? And he did um, <laughs> a whole 15 seconds in summer league, right? That's yeah, it was like a whole 15 seconds. I personally, you know, I've watched all the the hype tapes that go around on, on Thunder Twitter, sure, but I just like can't really you know, garner any real information on that. Honestly, I've gotten to mo- know Giddy the most through watching his TikToks. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like your classic. I know we're just moving into that age now where our uh, draft picks are like TikTok stars, but um, it's interesting. Um, I was not that excited about it when it happened. Um, I think that the Thunder did try to move up to, you know, like a one or a two, but I don't think Detroit was was even entertaining any any trades for the number one pick. Um, I think it was an underwhelming pick. I personally wanted Kaminga, but Presti really never picks who I think he will. And most of the time he's right. Sometimes he does go so far off of like, I'm going to pick someone that nobody's even thinking about. And then it turns out that he was actually just wrong. And a great example of that is Terrence Ferguson, who I love, (laughs) but (laughs) just, that was not, that was not the pick that we needed. Um, I don't think that Giddy will have an impact right away for the Thunder, which is why I kind of wanted Kaminga because I thought Kaminga could have an impact right away. So I guess I'm, I guess all that to say that I'm not that pumped about Giddy, but I'm willing to have my mind changed. I hope he, you know, plays above what I expect him to. Yeah, I think the question for me is does he have like an off the dribble jumper we haven't seen or even just a mm-hmm. mindset to score more and if if anyone has only ever seen him in summer league the only thing they're going to see is him getting a bucket basically so that sounds yeah. moronic that that's mm-hmm. the question i think knowing they were going to get rid of number 16 i and and buy out kemba walker by the way mm-hmm. i i might have liked to see them take a bigger swing and i think Kaminga yeah. was the bigger swing because he feels like he might be more of a project because giddy's passing and and vision and just control over defenses feels like it should translate eventually but Kaminga projects to me just based off what I've seen him as the more mm-hmm. comprehensive or all-around player even if he takes a while longer to to marinate yeah I think yeah maybe he'll take a while longer to kind of become exceptional but I do think he was like ready to to like slot into an NBA team right away and I just I just feel like Giddy's not quite there yet he kind of he's kind of giving me Poku vibes where he might have to Oh boy. You know, uh, <laughs> work on him a little bit before it turns into anything useful, but I could be wrong. I, like uh, I said, I haven't, I haven't seen him that much. So 
Poku could probably give himself confidence lessons when it comes to taking his shots, though. So that might yeah, help the Thunder. That's true. <laughs> uh, how did you feel about the the Trey Mann pick? I was after they took Giddy, they have SGA, um, they have Taylor Maladon and, and Lou Dort. Do you expect him to get a real chance to play, or is he going to be a little bit, I don't want to say trapped, but maybe someone mm-hmm. buried behind those guys? Yeah. So the thing with this Thunder roster as it is right now is there are so many guys on this team that are roughly at the same level of talent. And so in my opinion, I think that's great for Trey Mann because I think that no, nothing is set in stone. Not even the starting lineup is really set outside of Dort and SGA. And so I think there's lots of opportunities for players to, you know, fight for those spots, fight for those minutes, show what they can do. And I think if Trey Mann specifically uh, is able to bring a unique skill set, I think that he could take one of those spots and be move up ahead of, you know, a Giddy or a Baisley. Um, and so for him, I feel like three-point shooting is kind of his skill set that he could really uh, use as a leverage to, to move up in the lineup. I know at Florida, he was hitting like 40% from three, probably won't be the same in the NBA, but I think he has the potential to be the best three-point shooter on the team. And if he does that, he'll be invaluable. And I think that he'll be able to get more minutes like that. Do you think there's probably a clearer path to um, Jeremiah or Robinson um, to getting uh, more minutes than, than mm-hmm. Trey Mann in year one? Yeah, so we're super high on uh, on JRE, as we like to call him at Daily Thunder. Uh, he was such a steal at 36, I think. Uh, he also just has such a good head on him. You know, he's like a work hard, willing to do it all attitude. I don't think that he has like one thing that he's super exceptional at, but I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that makes him easy to fit into an existing system. And so I really think that he, like, honestly, I think I would put him ab- above Trey Mann to get more minutes. Um, even though he was the later pick, I think he was a steal at 36. Um, th- thank you for, I, I keep calling him Earl Robinson and I honestly just yeah. can't tell you why instead of Robinson Earl. And in anticipation of this, I did watch some more of his uh-huh. stuff from Villanova and he's a better off ball shooter than yeah. I thought. Look at his shooting percentages and they're not great. And you think, Oh, there you go again. Thunder drafting mm-hmm. a guy who can't shoot mm-hmm. on the wing. But if, as long as you're not putting the ball in his hands, he I'm a little bit higher on him than I thought I was going to be. And I think I just automatically thought like, well, why are you giving up 36 and 34 mm-hmm. for this dude? Was he not going to be there? At yeah. So maybe it was just a roster spot crunch thing, but I actually was coming into this uh, not very much liking the thought process there, but I, I actually watched him, which imagine thinking that and uh-huh. a little bit higher on it than I thought I was going to be. Yeah, exactly. I think that fits so well with what the Thunder already have. You know, they don't need, you know, a guy creating his own shots. They don't need, you know, a playmaker. They've got that. What they need is someone that they can put alongside, you know, SGA and Dort who can kind of just fit right in there. And I really feel like Jerry is that. And like I said, he just has such a great attitude that I really think fits with what the Thunder have been last season. And I assume they will be this year. I'm calling it like grit and grind 2.0, where everyone there has something to prove. And uh, we have a young coach who also has something to prove. And just that combination, I think, has been really like, you know, we've found a lot of diamonds in the rough. We've been like digging deep and finding some real talent in unexpected places. And I feel like JRE could also do that as well. I promise to learn the correct order of his, of his <laughs> last name. It may, I would just want to say like James Roll Jones. It's just like, it, you know, <laughs> it just like rolls off the tongue. Um, but yeah, Jeremiah, I just want to call him James for that reason. But yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. So I'm sticking with JRE for short. I think I'm going to have to go with JRE because that's easy. Yeah. That sounds better than J-E-R. So I'm more likely yeah. to remember JRE. Yeah. Um, so Poku. How heavily, or I don't want to say heavy, what type of license is he going to have this year? Because I felt like he was on a, obviously a very short lease last year, but you probably need offensive creation more than they did last year at this point. Mm -hmm. And it is year two for him. So do we expect him to have built up the goodwill to, to get some like real playing time this season? I think so. I think he's going to start. I think he ended the season on a really high note last year. Um, After he spent some time in the G league, he came back and he looked a lot more confident um, sometimes overly confident with his shot, but that's better than being <laughs> underconfident, I guess. Um, but he seemed to just like understand and see the game a lot better than he did before he went to the G League. And we love that kind of in-season development. Um, I think that he will start and I think that he'll get the opportunity. The thing that we need from him, though, is just consistency 
in size. So he was, you know, a little bit spotty. Sometimes he would have oh, like really good game where he'd get a lot of boards and, you know, just really uh, hold his own. And then sometimes he was just getting like absolutely just demolished by like Anthony Davis. And so he needs size and just based off of creeping on Instagram and social media, I don't really think he looks that much bigger than he did last year, but maybe it's like a skinny strong. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Look, he's the shots he takes make yeah. me want to believe in him. I just don't yeah. know whether he should be taking them. And I will say it's not always pretty. I don't know how much I trust him to put the ball on the floor, but just the yeah. way he moves with the ball, it sometimes feels like he's teleporting with the ground. He can cover in the ball in his hand. So he's, yeah. I don't know what the best word. I don't know what he could be. I just don't have a strong impression of him, but he is, I'm drawn to him. He's like, very, yeah. the way he's played is very magnetic to me. So I can't wait to see more of him in year two. Right. And that's exactly why the Thunder took him. He had like the lowest floor, but the highest ceiling. And so it's just like, and with where we got him, I don't know. It just, he, it could go either way. It really could. And I feel like he's trending more towards being a player that we can rely on than he is not, but it's going to, um, it's going to really depend on the season and the strides that he takes. Darius Baisley kind of had an uneven year last year, even when he went on that scoring onslaught to close the season, it just, he didn't mm-hmm. have the cleanest splits. I'm still such a big believer in him though. It feels like they're still trying to figure out what he is and that there's been, you know, his shooting percentages are all over the place, but he does find ways to reach the basket. He's hit the occasional like off the dribble jumper. His handle can be high and loose, but he's also testing out spins and gutsy changes in direction. And so I, I appreciate that self-discovery and they have, they've really tried to, you know, test him on defense a lot too. What do you see like for him or what's realistic expectations or what, what do the thunder need to see from him as he goes into year three? Yeah, it was kind of tough to see him struggle last season. He's been one of my favorites since he was drafted and he was absolutely outstanding in the bubble. And so I feel like he was set up for just like a really like a, just a meteoric rise this season. And he definitely did not live up to that for me. And unfortunately I think the roster as it is now, will actually make it harder for him to get the type of minutes he got last year. Like I said, there's so many young players that are hungry for a spot and for minutes. And I don't think that Coach Dagnall will hesitate to give other players minutes over Baisley if he feels like that is the correct decision. So I feel like Baisley really has to take big steps um, in terms of everything that you said. So like handling the ball better, um, having confidence, being consistent, improving his defense. Um, if he wants to to keep a spot in the starting lineup or otherwise, I think he's going to be coming off the bench this season. Yeah. And I also wonder if he would benefit from like another, like a second, just proven shot creator and maker on this mm-hmm. team. Feels like it would simplify or streamline a lot for him offensively. Yeah. At least. Unfortunately, we don't have that, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> um, I'm asking you about so many individual players because I feel like that yeah. such is the way the Thunder roster is built. What are we? What were your impressions of uh, Teo Maladon in, in year one? Phenomenal. I'm so excited for him. I want him to get more minutes. I'm excited for him to play behind Shea. I think we can experiment with a lineup that has SGA, um, Teo, and Dort. Um, I think he has one of the bigger upsides on the team, and he's such a good passer already for being so young um, that I think this could really be a breakout season for him now that he'll get the minutes that he didn't get last year. Do we, do you expect him to be the the starting point guard for this team? Um, I guess I don't it know. depends on how you consider SGA. But like, I, if, I would consider SGA to be the starting point guard, but I think that there is a good lineup, maybe even for closing games that has uh Teo at the point guard and SGA at the two. And I think that could be interesting. Um, but I do not think that I, he will start. I think it'll be SGA and Dort. And then, well, I don't know. It gets a little bit tricky after that. Um, maybe Giddy, Poku, and Favors. I don't really know. It gets weird after that. We don't really have a center. That's a whole other problem. Hey, that's <laughs> the next question. Are they, yeah. can we expect them to get a little weird at center? I, look, I think a tweet of yeah. yours, I'm not sure if it was last night or the day that we're recording this came across my timeline where uh-huh. you mentioned Kenrich Williams playing yes. more center. And that's just, that warms my heart because I'd love to see that. And he had a fantastic year last season, but are they, so are they built to get a little weird at center? Because they have Isaiah Roby, they have Derek Favors, and I guess you throw Mike Muscala in there, but like, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, one guy of those three that I just mentioned might be a part of their long-term core. They don't seem to have that, you know, 
they're not they just don't have a lot of staying power in those two front court slot it feels like yeah absolutely um i have i feel like they have no choice but to get a little bit weird because they've got favors and they've got roby and those are the only two people that are like true ish centers in the 2021 sense of the term and then they've got four guys who are basically just like power forwards moonlighting as centers like Baisley and Poku Mascala, who's probably not going to get that many minutes. And then Kenrich Williams, who I will die on this hill. I think Kenrich Williams should absolutely be in the starting lineup. I think that he was phenomenal last season. I think that he just, he's just so impressive to me from where he came from to where he was um, last season. And so I think, I feel like Williams should definitely get more minutes, more time at the center. Um, and even though Derek Favors doesn't necessarily fit the long-term timeline, um, I think people might be underestimating how much he's going to play at the start of the season. Um, I kind of am viewing this as like an Al Horford situation, mm-hmm. except this time they'd probably like to get him traded before the deadline. Um, but I do hope that Kenrich Williams gets gets more minutes. I think Mascala will just continue to get the same, you know, three, four, five minutes here or there. Um, but that's okay. Yeah, look, Kendrick Williams shot 44% on threes and mm-hmm. 57% on twos last year. He had a hell of a season. Hell of a season. Hell of a defender. You know, just great size, great grit. Like, I don't know. I just, I think he's he's fantastic. I think he could be the the second best player on the Thunder this season, um, assuming that Whoa. they trade their favors. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I, I'm telling you, this man, it's just like, if he can pick up right where he left off, I think that he could be fantastic because he, he can do more offensively than Dort can. Uh-huh. Um, and this is also assuming that Derek Favors is, is no longer on the Thunder, but I love Kenrich Williams. And uh-huh. I will die on that hill. <laughs> I'm totally here for that. I won't be the yeah. one to try kill, to kill you. So uh, <laughs> does Lou Dort have another gear offensively? Or is it just like, if he can hover within striking distance of 35% from three and play all defense level defense, that this is just still a fantastic player and that's fine. Um, so how is he yeah. still so young? I feel like he's been around for forever. And then I look and he's, he's only 22 and it feels like he's yeah. like 26. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's super young. Um, and I, I do think he has another level offensively. I don't know so much if it's like a skill thing as it more of it is like a shot selection thing. So I feel like for him, he can, he can shoot threes very well, but maybe not consistently. And then sometimes he, when he's not, necessarily hitting the shots he just keeps putting them up and that I think is problematic so I think if he can work on his shot selection you know maybe be a little bit more selective with the three-pointers that he's taking um I think that could be a way that he can improve offensively and just trying to close that gap between how good he is defensively and how good he is offensively um because otherwise he's at risk of becoming like the next Andre Robertson and becoming an offensive liability for the Thunder and that's definitely not what you want um, because he is so good defensively that you want to make sure that you have him uh, closing games and guarding the best player on the other team um, and not being an, an offensive li- liability. That's important. And he's also built like a freight truck that can move laterally. He it's like a literal can... square. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I think of when I see Ludor. I can't. I can't... I can't remember who tweeted this from a member of the Thunder Media a while ago, but it's like Lou Dort is built like a, a big freight truck made up of smaller freight trucks. It was something along those lines. I couldn't stop laughing. He just has the body though, where yeah. it feels like he should be doing a better job of finishing through contact and, and at the rim and be like that threat to, oh, I can attack closeouts. Like I'm not immediately just going to put up this three, but I'm going to make yeah. the defense thing. I feel like he needs to, he needs to go watch some, uh, some Russell Westbrook highlight tapes and just watch how Russell Westbrook bodies his way through the lane to get to the basket. And Lou Dort could absolutely do that. Like he's not like, obviously like Russ, they're not the tallest, biggest guys, but they've just so strong. And so like forceful that that could be a move for him as well. I know that he's good at shooting threes, but it doesn't have to be the only thing that he does. This is, I'm like reticent to ask this question, but is he a low key trade candidate? this season with him having one year left on his deal after this one, it's a team option and knowing that the thunder, how the thunder have thought about mm-hmm. players like non-stars along these lines in the past. Is that something yeah. to watch for? Or do you think that's a non-starter? Um, I mean, like I've obviously learned from personal experience as an OKC fan that nobody is truly untradeable. Um, but 
I kind of think that Ludor is as close to, to not on the trade block as you can be, um, especially for a team that's rebuilding where it seems like everybody is tradable. Um, I feel like Ludor and SGA are the two players that I think the Thunder want to hold on to. I think they like what they have with Ludor. And I think that not a lot of other teams really see the value in Ludor like, like the Thunder do. I don't think that other people know his potential or how to utilize him necessarily the way the Thunder do. And so I don't, I don't even know if that would be, you know, advantageous for the Thunder to trade him. Um, I think that he's as close to untradeable this season, at least as you can be. And also at some point it's like, what are you giving the Thunder that they don't already have? Because he doesn't make a ton of money. So yeah. what are you going to give him draft equity? Because they yeah. have been for decades. <laughs> who needs that? Yeah. <laughs> um, who will be, and I think I know your answer to this question now, mm-hmm. who will be this team's second leading scorer? If it's not Kenrich Williams, <laughs> then I'll, I'll be reasonable and I'll say I'll say Lou Dort. Uh, I think last season he probably was the second best scorer. Might have been close between him, him and Al Horford, um, but I think that just virtue of the amount of playing time that he's going to have and the youth of the rest of this roster, I think he will be the the second best scorer on the Thunder. I'm like, I think you could legitimately talk me into four or five names here. You've already just sold me on yeah. Kenrich Williams there. Yeah, There's Lou Dort. <laughs> if you told me it was Darius Baisley. Um, or Teo Maladon, I don't know that I would really flinch at that either. That yeah. I don't think that would shock me. The the second the second unit for the Thunder is going to be super interesting. Uh, it's going to be chaotic for sure. Um, but I feel like I don't know. They might surprise us. They might surprise us. That was a leading question into who on this roster gives OKC the the best chance at finding or already having let's say a future co-star for SGA because that does feel like the next step of this rebuild finding that number two or that just that running mate to pair with Shea I still think it's Dort I think with the people that are on the team right now I think it's Lou Dort it may not always be but I feel like they complement each other very well especially with their their skill sets and you know Dort being so good um defensively that he's able to guard the best player on the other team and then have SGA guard you know the second best person and that lets SGA have a little bit more energy offensively and vice versa and so I feel like they really work well in tandem with each other they play very well off of each other they're very good at closing games together they trust each other um I feel like if you just gave me the option of the people that are on the roster right now it's Ludort but I think in the future um the Thunder might be looking to add someone a a little bit more uh, closer to SGA's level in terms of superstardom. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people take issue with uh, where the Thunder at is because if Lou Dort is the answer, and he very well might be, I love Lou Dort, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of a problem when you're looking at the longer haul. Yeah, in the long haul, I don't think so. On this team as it is constructed today, it's Lou Dort. And I didn't throw the outline at you, but the the Thunder's offense was just—I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. good. It was th- it was actually thirtieth in points allowed per possession for cleaning a uh, point scored per possession for cleaning the glass. What's the path to them from to to getting noticeably better there? And I'm assuming the answer will be they have to figure out how to survive the Shea Gilgis Alexander minutes. But then, how do you flesh out your lineups where Shea's on the bench to in, to ensure that's a possibility? That's a difficult question. Um, I think it, it just, it so depends on what players look like this season and who we can consistently count on to score. Um, I think Teo Maladon is going to be a very big part of that. And with the second, second unit, um, I think he's probably, like you said, he could, you know, he's probably not going to be the, the second best scorer, I don't think, but um, I think he'll do really well with the second unit. Um, so I would say utilizing him is important. Um, trying out different combinations, trying out different lineups. Um, like I said earlier, I don't think really anything is set in stone as far as lineups go, except for maybe that SGA and Dort are going to start. And so I feel like trying those different, different combinations, um, is going to be very important to those minutes when Shea Gildas Alexander is not on the floor. Uh, we've now entered the most unoriginal portion of this podcast because these okay. are the questions I ask every single guest um, in these okay. look ads. Who's the player from this roster most likely to get traded before the deadline? Derek Favors. That's easy. He yeah. doesn't fit the timeline. He's good enough. You can flip him to a contender for picks later in the season. And that's exactly Sam Presti's type. <laughs> and if it ends up being Ken- Kenrick Williams, we riot, correct? Yes. Yes, we do riot. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? 
this is this is a loaded question just because I don't know how many close games OKC is going to be actively trying to win. But let's assume yeah. it's crunch time. They want to win. What do you think should be their go-to closing lineup? Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it would be really interesting to have a lineup with Taylor Maladon at the point, SGA at the two, Dort at the three. They did something similar uh, with Chris Paul. Obviously, Taylor Maladon is no Chris Paul, but I think it's still interesting to think about because – um, SGA and Dort are good enough defensively that I think you can run a three guard lineup and it not be uh, too uh, too dangerous on the defensive end. Um, I think that would be really interesting. I have no idea who fills the other two positions right now, um, but you know it's 2021. Basketball is truly positionless. I say let's do it. <laughs> uh, to that point, is mm-hmm. there a quirky out of left field? oddball lineup that you're that you think they should try or hoping they're trying or if you're you're the head coach of the thunder now that you would just be rolling out at some point this season to see what would happen oh if i'm head coach of the thunder i'm putting kenrich williams in the starting lineup that's easy (laughs) (laughs) i i think he deserves it i think it's worth a shot i think it's interesting um i don't know though because there's so much young talent i don't know if you really want to like stack everyone in in the starting five and just have the the second unit be chaos but I really think that Kenrich Williams should be in there. And that is my quirky lineup. I don't know if playing Teo at Shea and Dora together is also quirky, but probably to somebody who thinks basketball still has positions, it's probably weird. So <laughs> I think mine would be, and I feel like it would be very combustible, if not just flat out bad, but I need to see it. Yeah. Is Jeremiah JRE, because now yeah. I know, know his name, Kenrich Williams, Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, yeah. I don't know if they get enough shooting out of that, but I would just be like, that's a bunch of just like, that's like everyone's essentially a wing in that lineup. So, and I love, I tend to lean towards the, the small ball lineups. I'm, I have an yeah. affinity for them. Mm-hmm. I, it's clear that I don't think they would try this, but if I was head coach of the thunder, I would absolutely deploy those five together. Right. Well, the one good thing about their roster is there are multiple people that can play multiple positions. If we already talked about SGA, playing point, playing the two. We've talked about several players that can play power forward and center. So I feel like they do have a lot of flexibility um, and they could come up with something unconventional. I know that if you had told me, you know, a couple of years ago that a lineup with SGA, Dory and Chris Paul or um, war with um, Dennis Schroeder would be as effective as it was, I would not have believed you, but that was their easily far and above their best lineup that they ran. And they closed so many games with that lineup. And so I feel like I want them to get creative. I don't want them to stick with the same thing all season long. Um, and that's good for the players too, the young players to be able to develop and get more minutes. If we, if we switch it up, it's like, not like we're trying to win here. We don't need to pare it down to a seven, a seven player lineup right. or anything like that. And, and that's a great point about that three guard lineup, different coaching regime, different arrow thunder basketball, yeah. but I'm just sort of wondering, so you have Shea, you have, you know, play Shea and Teo together. And then like, do you just give it a shot with Trey Mann or Josh Giddy alongside them to try and you're not going to replicate it, but just go the three guard model and see what happens. I would be this team. The longer you stare at their depth chart, which I am doing at this very Mm -hmm. moment is they are just built to do some wacky things if they really wanted to. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they absolutely should because it's literally no risk to them. And it's the only way they're going to find out which players are part of the long-term future with the Thunder and which ones can be packaged into a trade. That's the literally the only way. And so I think they should get creative with it. The worst that's going to happen is we only win 20 games, and that's actually the best thing that can happen. So <laughs> that works for me. It almost seems like that's what they're trying to do based yeah. on everything that's happened. Because, look, the tired take is that the wired uh, – excuse me, the, the Thunder were so – concerned about Kemba's knees that they thought it was better just to shave money off of what he was owed than try and reboot his value. The wired take is that they were concerned about winning so many games because he and Shea are so good that they just needed to get rid of him and stay within that 20 to 23 win territory. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. The Thunder have no problem taking on the most washed players with the worst contracts. That's clear. That's not an obstacle for us, but you have it only to a certain point. Like Al Horford is a perfect example of this. Al Horford knees, not great, but we took him on. We flipped him back to Boston, and that's great. Al Horford's happy. We're happy. We didn't win too many games. Um, you just had to send him home for half the season or for a long Yeah, yeah that, that did happen. But I think that he was okay with that because now he's in Boston and he can live his best life. And there's like 
for them, there's probably somewhat of a bad taste in their mouth because you don't get the Houston pick this past mm-hmm. year. And you ended up sixth, which is yeah. in a position where you kind of knew who was going to go in the top five. Um, Scotty Barnes going at four might have surprised some people, but like right. then be that close to Jalen Suggs, who just goes at five. For, so there's like sort of a the, everything seemed like it was anarchy after those top five, where it was a bunch of different players could go in different orders. And I think we saw that with Josh Giddy going at six. Um, the Spurs decided that they were just going to take Josh Primo at 12. So if yeah. you're the Thunder, it's not a major disappointment because you've assembled, you've, you know, you have all these bites at the apples moving forward, but given the opportunity you could have had relative yeah. to your lottery odds and Houston's that's you know somewhat of a less than ideal outcome. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was super frustrating because there was a game that they won, but had they not won that game, they would have been like four or something like that, as opposed to wherever they ended six. And so that is a problem. And I feel like this season, they if they're going to try to get the number one pick, they really need to be in the bottom three. And that they're going to have to tank properly this season. Uh, they're off to a good start, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so their win total, that's a great yeah. segue, is okay. as of this podcast set at 21.5. Would yeah. you take the over or the under on that? Because look, they're, they're, they're not great on paper, but 21.5 is a very low over under. Yeah, so I said over, but barely. I think that they're going to be near the bottom. I need them to be bottom three, but I think they'll be near the bottom, definitely. Uh, But they're going to win a handful of games that they have absolutely no business winning. And that's what's going to keep fans excited throughout the season because it's going to be a long, long season for Thunder fans. And when they win those games where they like beat the Lakers and double overtime for no reason at all, that's the kind of stuff that I think makes people excited and it gives us hope for what the future of this team could be like when we see them like, Oh, like they were able to like Poku was able to take AD under the rim. Not that this would ever happen, but like (laughs) that kind of stuff is what gets you excited. Or you're like, Oh, like SGA, there's like a battle of SGA and jaw and SGA clearly looked so much better than John Morant did. And that's why he's our franchise player And that's why he's the future. And that's why we're going to be so much better than Memphis and all that kind of stuff. And that's what keeps, keeps Thunder fans interested in these trying times that we're in. And so I feel like they'll win a couple more, but they'll have some, some very interesting wins that made people think that "Hmm, maybe this team has actually some potential. And the other thing here too, is they were on a 25, 26 win pace last year. That's with sending Al Horford home, Shea Gilders Alexander being injured. So it's like, how are they supposed to get that much worse? I kind of want to take the under any, anyway because I'm envisioning like Sam Presti just ensuring that no one's worse than them. But it's so low that I just, I have to take the over. But I would follow up the question with, where do you see them? Like, is there a team in the West that you potentially think could end up having a worse record than them? Is there a team in the league that you could see having a worse record than Oklahoma City this year? You can always count on the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> <laughs> um let's maybe see the rockets is like could be um, yeah maybe but yeah i don't know that's tricky yeah i think sacramento um i would be a little bit surprised if i was them but i think to your point before charlotte um, yeah and if they're going to be bottom three in the, I, bottom two in the west seems like if they're better than 14th in the west i think that would be like one team has blown it up or suffered catastrophic injuries or something. Right. Is there anything that I did not ask you about these thunder heading into the 21, 22 season that you think needs to be covered? I think we covered a lot of grounds. We talked about a lot of individual players on the roster, but do have one question for you. Do you think this is finally the year that SGA becomes an all-star? That's a great question. I'm just going to say yes, because Mm -hmm. when you look at his like scoring and efficiency last year, he was basically on par. The only players to match what he did on twos and threes while averaging as many points were Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. And he would have been my most improved player had he played the entire season. Right. Uh, That's like, and he's on a bad team, so he would never get voted. But like, that was all NBA level territory. And so. I do get that the talent in the West is crowded, but when you look at this season, it's like, okay, Clay is not going to play a good chunk of the year. Kawhi's out. Uh, if he's going to get classified as the backcourt, maybe Kawhi doesn't matter mm-hmm. as much. But like, this might be the year where it could be 
set up for him. Chris Paul is older, and then maybe he and Devin Booker kind of cannibalize from each other. And this is just very clearly, there's no Al Horford. There's no Kemba, let alone no CB3. Like, this is Shea Gilgis-Alexander's team. And if he puts up the numbers that he did, or even anything like resembling those on the efficiency that he has, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go out on a limb, make a positive prediction for this Thunder and say that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an all-star. And I'll also go as far as saying that I flirt with putting him on an all-NBA team. Nice. Okay. Good, good answer. I, I completely agree with you. I think he's, he's been like right there for like two seasons. And so I feel like this is finally the year follow-up question. Do you think that this is the year that Lou Dort makes an all NBA defense team? Ooh, that's a great question. He somehow did not make it last year, but it got one vote for NBA first team for defense. <laughs> Tell me how that makes sense. No, it doesn't. And the whole voting process very often doesn't make yeah. sense. So here's what's tough with it's even all-star voting too. People play yeah. so much stock in the team record or if they're voting all defense uh, in yeah. where the team stands defensively. I don't mm-hmm. know um, the Thunder were 26th in defensive efficiency last year. Do you think they're built to be better than that this year? Because I think they probably need to finish outside of the bottom 10 for Lou Dort to get the amount of attention that he'll deserve. And I do think we need to go beyond, like be able to separate an individual player's performance from where the team actually yeah. finishes because Lou Dort isn't playing 48 minutes a game and defending all five players at once. Right. Uh, but I do think the Thunder need to be like not shitty on defense for him to be considered. I think so too. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing is like, if we were just looking at the individual in a vacuum, I think he would easily make it just for his ability to, to constantly guard the best players on every team and, you know, really hold some of these superstar players to, to very limited points. Um, As we saw him, he guarded James Harden absolutely phenomenally um, in that playoff series and all season. And so if we're looking at him in a vacuum, yes, but I think you're right. If the, if the, you can't give someone on a team that's, you know, like bottom five in defense, uh, an all NBA defense position. So hopefully they will be a little bit better than that. I don't know where they're getting that additional defense right. from necessarily. Kenrich um, Williams. Kenrich Williams. Williams. Yeah. <laughs> 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 say Kenrich Williams. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe Kenrich Williams can help us out uh, or Derek favors. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it'll be tricky, but I would like to see both of those things happen for them. If the whole season is going to be, you know, like a 20 win season, that would be nice to have SGA as an all-star and for them to get some accolades at the end of the season. Yeah. So, he, okay. Here's a scenario to lay out for you, or just a, a choice SGA okay. making an all-star team, Lou Dort making an all defense team and Kenrich Williams being the second leading scorer on the thunder, Oof. which is more likely. <laughs> Which is more likely, or which do I want to happen more? <laughs> oh, I know what you want to happen more. What do you think okay. is the most likely? Well, of those three? Okay. Well, I, to be honest, to be fair, if you ask me which one of those do I want to happen the most, it's actually the same answer for which I think is the most likely. And I think it's SGA being an all star. As much as I love Kenrich Williams and I want him to be phenomenal, and and I want both sides of this pillow to be cold and for him to never have a bad Monday and everything good to happen to Kenrich Williams, I do want SGA to make it as an all star because that to me cements the future for the thunder um that's what i care most about is yeah we're in a in a tough time right now as thunder fans but if there's that promise at the end of this that it was worth it and that sga really turns out to be the player that we we uh believe that he is i think that would be the best thing that could happen if he doesn't make one and is in the conversation at least i yeah. That would be like one of the new arguments for why are we still doing it by even separating it for front court, back court, or even like we need yeah. at that point, we need two extra all-star. Cause I just go through the West. There's so many good guards there. It might help him that Chris Paul's older. Uh, although that, that really hasn't mattered lately. Jamal Murray's injured. Uh, but like, you know what they really need? Damian Lillard needs to request a trade to an Eastern conference team. That right. Really set the, that sets the stage for Shea Gilgis Alexander to just take in, take one of those, you know, incumbent all-star spots where you look at these players like Luca, uh, Steph, and and Dame and just say, oh, well, they're clearly going to get an all-star spot. Like, you need one of those guys to not be in the mix. And Dame already seems like he hates Portland and is just waiting for next season. So they need him to, to up his timeline a little bit. Right, yeah. Like, after this whole conversation we've had today, it just, it's so clear that it's separating into front court and backcourt just doesn't make any sense because players just fit into so many different roles on their teams now. Like what is LeBron? What is Giannis? Like mm-hmm. where do those players fit in, in that criteria? And so I feel like they really need to just do away with that. Like who cares if the 
if the Western Conference All-Star team is five point guards. Let's do it. I'm here for it. Um, the game is pointless and meaningless anyway. So what does it even matter? Like what the positions that the players play? I think it's the actual game itself is unimportant. It is the honor of being selected that matters in my opinion. And so I feel like I agree with you that the whole process could be a lot better. And I think the NBA has even kind of admitted that because I mean, look yeah. what they did with all NBA this year. We're like, you, they had like Jokic eligible power forward and same with Embiid because they wanted mm-hmm. the best players to make the best teams. And it's like, okay, neither of those dudes was ever a power forward by any <laughs> metric. So yeah. let's just get away with positions at that point. Maybe it works the same for all-star. I mean, you mentioned LeBron is a perfect case study. Yeah. He's always a, like eligible at forward and really never point guard for all-star. He's, he's the Lakers point guard. I don't care if he's yeah. not guarding point, like he's the Lakers point guard. So yeah, I'm going to make the prediction and say he makes it though. That's going to be my bold positive <laughs> thunder prediction. Okay. Sounds good. I hope so too. Um, Olivia, this was fantastic as always. I appreciate you coming on to school us on some Oklahoma city thunder. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and, and check out your work at daily thunder? Yes. Um, you can find me at Olivia NBA on Twitter um, good. We've got a weekly show cross bolts at daily thunder where we argue about different thunder topics. And we just came back from our off season this week and had our first episode of the new season yesterday. So check that out. We actually discuss who we think the thunder lineup starting lineup for game one should be. And obviously I put Kenrich Williams in my starting <laughs> lineup. So feel free to ro- roast me on the comments on that on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, that's innovation that I will not roast. And also, this is in your bio, so I know you don't. I don't know how you find the time to do this stuff and be a medical student because that just yeah. sounds unbelievably exhausting to me. Honestly, this is like my distraction from school. I love it. I think it's important to have hobbies and things that have nothing to do with school. And so when I get to spend time talking about basketball, um, I love doing that. Unfortunately, all of my brain is full of meaningless basketball information. Um, I can tell you the most random stuff about the NBA, but I need to make room for the for the medical stuff now. <laughs> um, Kenrich Williams' knowledge is far from meaningless at this point. I think we've established that. <laughs> um, thank you again so much for coming on, and I, I will talk to you soon. Thank you.